get into meditation from a spiritual aspect or what were you seeking when you got into meditation? Uh, mental health. Yeah. Which I guess is spiritual. Did it evolve into a more spiritual practice or? I don't know if there's any difference to me. I don't, I don't see things the same way as everybody else. Did it change the spirit in which you brought to life? Like the disposition? Yes. Yes. I've always thought that spiritual is just what everything is. Every single thing, everywhere, all around us, all the time. Yeah. I don't I don't have a differentiation. I'm not going outside to go get it. You know what I mean? This is it. So yeah. if I'm if I start meditating because of mental health and I'm still in the spiritual, I can't I guess that's where church really lost me was all this planning for someday and how you're <laughs> your uh, your um, personality as you have now is going to last forever and we're not supposed to enjoy anything here. We're supposed to enjoy it there, but we're allowed to enjoy some things here, but only if they say so, but not really, you know, all that stuff. So because I don't, I believe that they're wrong. They're stacking it on someday. Why is ridiculous. Why is that appeal to you? Yeah. And then I was just listening to Alan Watts today about life is not a journey. It's a song. It's music. Yes. So when you're playing, I don't know. Did you listen to that? Yeah. Go Uh, ahead. Yeah. Where he, where he was, uh, he was saying that most people look at life like a journey. So then all you're looking at is the destination. You're going to get there sometime because you're traveling towards it. But if you look at it as music instead, you play the piano, you don't work the piano because the, uh, the music is the goal. Like making, making the music is what you're doing. You're not making the end of the song. I love that speech. And you play the piano, you play. Yeah. I love Alan Watts. I think he's my biggest dead guy crush. Yeah, I, could, I have listened to him for hours and hours. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Well, a couple of his books, I think they're 12 hours long. So I've listened to the whole thing more than once. Does he narrate it? Yes. Oh. It's basically all of his lectures put into book form. Oh, cool. And it's on Audible. So I was uh, listening to those while I was doing paperwork. Did your, Do you feel that that helps you as an author? Like the understanding of that and the meditation? I think so because it lets me... It gives me permission to make the, to let connections happen. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people won't give themselves to think crazy thoughts, but I've totally given myself permission to think crazy thoughts and then type them down or write them down. Uh, and I just, I don't think a lot of people are willing to let themselves do that. They all have those thoughts. They just think they're not appropriate or they think mm-hmm. that things have to be a certain way. So they limit, they put a limit on. And they automatically toss them without even noticing. So it offered like a freedom of mind. And then do you think it deepened your space of vulnerability to be able to share them? Because it's one thing to write them down. It's another thing to share them. It's one thing to think them. It's another thing to write them down. (laughs) And it's another thing to share them. (laughs) Probably because I, well, based on some of our other conversations, I used to think that I didn't have any fear, but actually what's going on is I just look at the fear and then, after I've looked at it, then I'm not, it doesn't stop me. 
Yeah. So, so I notice, I notice the thoughts and I'm scared, but then because I actually just went and was scared, like let the thought happen, then I'm still free to make the choice to go ahead. So I put all kinds of stuff online right now on these little articles that I'm writing Mm -hmm. and uh, it's getting easier every day now, Mm -hmm. but still I'll wake up early in the morning and think, Oh crap. What did I do yesterday? I can't believe I put that out there. (laughs) (laughs) And then I could run and go delete it, but I just, you know, once it's out there, it's out there. Just leave it. Well, unless, unless you're, you realize that you've slandered somebody or something like that. But if it's just me, if it's just about me, then, uh, Oh yeah. Well, it's a difference. I don't know most of the people that are going to read it. (laughs) What do they know? Do you get feedback from other men? I get a lot of feedback from all kinds of people. Um, I haven't, of course, you know, you never want to mention it, but I haven't had any bad feedback lately, Mm -hmm. which I'm expecting some sometime, of course, right? Somebody will get upset, but uh, no, everything's been pretty positive. You know, every once in a while you run into that person that you're not posing hard enough for. And you're not appearing spiritual enough, maybe. That's right. But those people just seem to evaporate out. They don't hang around. They go off looking for that that uh, person that's going to follow the rules. The appearance. Yeah. The person selling mastery. They're going to go buy a master in energy. And you. So, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I haven't had I haven't had any haters lately. Because as an author, you touch on some pretty deep subjects. Oh, yeah. And it's really been digging lately. It's, I thought that some of these issues I had handled inside, inside of myself completely. Turns out that there's more to go through. Yeah. So I've been going back, and especially to do with possessions, because uh, we're doing a lot of spring cleaning right now. Mm-hmm. Like in, and we're, I'm finding stuff on this property that's just garbage that is older than me. It's been here that long. And it's not like I didn't know it was, wasn't there. We've done a lot of cleaning here. It's just that it, we kind of powered out on it. You know what I mean? Like we ran mm-hmm. out of energy. So now we're, we're hitting it again this spring because right. I have time. And yeah, there's, there's still pockets of shame and all that stuff with uh, hoarding. Lots of stuff to do with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to go the other way. But here I am sitting in my office, which is totally cluttered up because I have all these books and papers, right? <laughs> which is my fault. I, I brought these things in here and I've got them stacked everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to rant and complain about all the stuff that my parents stored up, but then I'm still doing it somewhat. So I have to own that, right? Okay. Or at least look at it. And that's not yeah. always. Or I'll get started partially into uh, working on some of these issues and then, you know, can't finish. Just can't, can't make myself do it. So, yeah. Going through lots of, uh, lots of digging. Layers. Yeah. And then there's uh, sexual type stuff going on too. Just came out of the blue, right? So. 
from being abused. Mm -hmm. Bunch of stuff just came to the front again this spring. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah. You know, you, you tell your story and then you work your way through it. You think, okay, well, I think I've got this thing handled. And then, uh, you know, so I don't get panic attacks or anything like that. Um, I get more subtle things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I get triggered, but not in that kind of way. It's softened. Yeah. But it still leaks out in a different format. Yeah. So then you just can see. So yeah. writing, writing is one of the reasons that this stuff is coming out. Yeah. It's almost like it passes through you from a higher state and then the advice is for yourself as well. Like in teaching, when I'm teaching in that connection, oftentimes what I'm sharing with the classroom is things I need to hear myself. So maybe in writing, it surfaces kind of the same way in your vulnerability and your sharing in that connection it shows you where to look. Why people shut down too. Like lots of people start writing and then stop because they get deep. Well, and that's, that's what I've been doing recently. Yeah. Yeah. Lately, what I've been doing is I've been uh, using, using the writing to, to dig in farther. Like willingly, wantingly. To explore farther. Yeah. Yeah. Within yourself. So like pushing your own limits. That's right. And then I can explain, explain the process. Like the process of going deeper or the process of letting go in the writing, you mean? The one article I wrote recently was about some of the triggers that I ran into and how I knew how to deal with them, um, how to revisit them and soften them out. But then uh, basically how the issue wasn't handled completely like I thought it was. So it was time to revisit and do the work. So there's, there's work to do with it, right? You can't just let it sit. You have to actively do something about it, Mm -hmm. which means you have to make the decision to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not, uh, it's not a passive thing. Mm -mm. No, you just repeat the patterns if you're a passive. Yeah. So I guess when I was, writing about it that gave me the chance to go and hit that issue up yeah <laughs> and uh i don't want to get into a lot of details on it but that one that particular issue had to be had to do with being tangled in blankets mm-hmm. so that was never a thing that i knew i had a problem with right mm-hmm. just a new trigger or a surface that come, just comes to the top like cream yep you scrape it off it's almost like you get rid of some of the other ones and then your subconscious mind goes, oh yeah, well, I got this one to show you next. Don't worry, we're not done yet. I think for me, I came to a point where I was like, Kyla, I don't think you're ever going to get better. And I stopped making, like maybe what Alan Watts said, like it became more about playing in it. Because maybe it never goes anywhere. Maybe I'll always be like me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and that's okay but like you said like finding those sharp edges 
that are causing you discomfort and choosing to look at them and then round the edges and soften the edges. Does that mean another trigger is not going to pop up eventually where you have to do the same thing? Like you just keep going deeper and deeper and opening more and more. Well, I guess if you get used to looking at things like that, then when things pop up, instead of it being a total showstopper, at least you have the ability to uh, work on it, right? That's right. There's no time where you're going to make where you're going to make everything smooth sailing. No. But it wouldn't. There wouldn't be any point in that. No, because you just it just all be the same. We need the balance of the challenge. Yeah, if, go, if we if gold was just lying around on the ground everywhere, and you just walked outside your door and look, look, there's a chunk of gold. Gold would be worth absolutely nothing. This one time, I bought a brand new car. It was a Chevy Cavalier. And like two years after I bought the car, every time you bought a truck, you got a free Chevy Cavalier. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like that. (laughs) Everybody had one. (laughs) I think that I love authentic work in this space that you're doing it for you. Writing the articles. Where can we find the articles? I'm publishing them on Medium and at my website. I've kind of decided in the last few days that everybody is worried about, they call it curation. So if uh, your article gets curated on Medium, that means that they put it on their homepage and hundreds of thousands of people will see it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the new writers are all worried about it all the time. But I, and my stuff has only been curated a couple times so far. But I'm not going to, you can't just worry about that. No. So I have to, and it sounds ridiculous. Well, there's, there's a couple things that people say that, you know, you have to write for yourself and you have to write what you know. So one of those things I agree with, you do have to write for yourself, but you don't have to write what you know, because you can learn something while you're writing it. I feel that way about teaching. You love it, but you're struggling. Well, no, that um, it's for me. Like, I don't ever worry if anybody's going to like it. Not that it's for me or all about me, but I most definitely don't do it to be liked. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. She's never done that before. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> do, you, do you think you'll, like, collect your articles into a book? I might. I'm having a lot of fun with this because while there's not a lot of money in it at the start, I can do whatever I want. And there's a chance that thousands of people see it, right? So I can make up any kind of article title I want as long as it's, you know, well, no, actually I can do whatever I want. I could even swear if I want, but I don't much. I don't have to be a cookie cookie cutter person at all here. So, for instance, I titled this one, If You Call Me a Vegan, I Might Get Soggy and Mean. You're not going to see an article title like that anywhere, I don't think. I don't even know. They just, that stuff like that, I just uh, put stuff together, right? Because I'm trying to make it a little different. So, we'll see where it goes, right? It's, it's an art project. And because it's an art project, and I realized that that's what I was doing in the last two days, I decided to not always, because I've been using stock photos right yeah 
I decided to not always use stock photos and to start drawing my own cartoons for the uh, pictures. Okay. So, so I busted out all my cartooning gear. So we'll see how that goes. It's a little more time consuming, but then it really is an art project, right? Yeah. And it is going to be unique. So we'll see where it goes. And I, it occurred to me that I could collect them up, especially if I'm doing the art, that would make a book. A cool coffee table type book or something. That's right. But the thing is, the, uh, just the uh, daily working on it, my writing is getting better. Yeah. I go back now and I look at stuff that I wrote last year and I can't. It's a facepalm moment. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It evolves. That's right. In fact, the one book that I wrote, wrote is so bad that I want to take it off. I didn't want to take it down now, but I'm not going to, but I want to. It's pretty rough. <laughs> not the one that we worked on. That one's a little better, but we had an editor that was really good on that book. So, You like the, the multiple topics? Yeah. I, well, there's that word that everybody else uses, niche. Like you have to find your niche or niche or however you say that word they're always worried about writing in one niche but to me that word sounds like the word moist <laughs> it's just horrible so yeah. i'm not gonna go by that either i'm gonna write what comes up that day mm-hmm. i'm gonna write what's next because like i said I'm, I'm writing for myself i'm gonna i'm performing for myself here i'm mm-hmm. playing the piano mm-hmm. i'm not uh you I'm know not- one of those symbol monkeys that you wind up <laughs> they just march around playing the symbols all happy and doing what they're supposed to so like there, there's going to be a running circle of topics probably I'm going to do uh, articles on hiking and outdoors and running and then there's going to be stuff about building habits and there'll be stuff about meditating and there'll be you know a broad range in between there Mm-hmm. A little bit of self-help and a little bit of uh, yoga maybe in there. Mm-hmm. But that leaves it kind of wide open. Because mm-hmm. I was writing about hiking and spies today. And who knew, who knew that was coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? It's like tonight's sex and pleasure class. <laughs> Hello. It's possible, you know. I, I love to see. I consider myself a working artist. Like that is my job. I'm an artist. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful gift. Well, this, so the pandemic has been bad for a lot of people and I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that I don't, that I don't live in one of those places that has had as much trouble. Mm-hmm. So for us, of course, I have no work. I don't have an income right now, really. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only hardship we really have. Mm-hmm. Don't even know anybody that's had coronavirus or had COVID-19. So that's I'm grateful for that. But I'm grateful that I had all this time off to find what I'm doing right now and to work on it without any interruptions. Mm-hmm. So when I do go back to work, I won't have to build what I'm doing now. I maybe won't be able to continue as, you know, as much but you've enjoying submersing yourself in it that's right it's not uh it's not a big rushing panic so i can uh so i can build build a bit of a habit in uh writing every day again because that that's hard to actually build that habit 
Mm-hmm. Making time for it every day. Yeah, making time for art every day is hard. I know, right? Because even for myself, even though I'm an artist, um, making time for my own practice. Because that's where the inspiration for my teaching comes from. Mm-hmm. And I had that. There was a band that was in Red Deer. That was the last fun thing I did. I seen the pictures on my phone the other day. I went to a concert in Red Deer. And we ended up getting VIP passes. The band wanted to meet us. And uh, so we went backstage. And I think they thought I was funner than I am. But I was asking them about that. Like for them as artists, is it get, you know, does it get just boring and terrible playing the same songs? Like there's no creative outlet it's just the same popular songs that everybody wants to hear but they have to do that part in order to have the time to sit and make more art so not always pleasurable there's a duality to it being an artist i think oh yeah there you have to you have to grind it out basically because mm-hmm. i mean you, you being an artist doesn't stop when you're working no there's just less space for it but in time, in time, like I know working artists, it's possible. Well, and I could make the decision to make it full time. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Would that but, be your dream? What was your dream? What was your dream like? In, I know this totally goes against the Zen principle. but I don't know if it would be to ever actually totally retire to art from. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I get from going to these jobs I go to. It inspires the art as well. Well, and there's always the chance that I can meet a bunch of new people and inspire them. Mm-hmm. And just being where you're at. Yeah. Have you found that? Have, have you met people out in your workplace and talked about meditation and they picked it up? A couple people, but I don't think it's so much that as showing people that there's other possibilities that they don't have to be always reactionary that they can uh, like, you don't, you don't know what kind of waves you're making. Mm-hmm. So if you go in and people even just see that you can like your job, mm-hmm. that alone is showing them something that some of them don't know. Yeah. Cause some people hold the programming of you have to hate your job. Yeah. So if a person, cause I'll show up and I, I do actually enjoy being there good. even though the actual stuff that we're doing is sometimes pretty terrible <laughs> you know freezing frying climbing things standing in the wind all those things that we have to do in a construction job that are terrible there if you think about them there you know there's not a lot of fun fun mm-hmm. activities when spirit comes in <laughs> minus 40 is never fun no matter what you do Plus 40 is never fun, no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah. But it's like an adventure. Hiking's, actual hiking isn't really fun. No. But but I love hiking. Mm-hmm. Now I'm running. So I ran uh, over six miles this morning. Why the heck would I do that? Yeah, Tim. Because some of it is not fun. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> So same thing with work. You have to, uh, someday I hope to be able to do a marathon, right? Okay. Uh, 
and that's not going to be fun. But and works. someday I hope to go back to work too, and that's not going to be fun either, probably. But there's so much pleasure in the pain, right? So like, if I just sit around and draw and write, then I'm going to miss out on that. That's another thing that guy was saying on this call to the masculine was that people talk about the path of least resistance. And Alan Watts talked about the path of least resistance a lot. And he's kind of countered by Jordan Peterson's work in the idea that you have to lean into the challenges. That's what develops the masculine is the leaning into the challenges. So I think you kind of described it, that there is a very balanced masculine space and that you're challenging yourself because it's the fun part is after you run the marathon and you have ran the marathon, you did it. Mm -hmm. There was a challenge. You met the challenge. You succeeded. Um, But that is a masculine trait of competition where in just the taking the path of least resistance, but which might be like being in the dreamy art space, you know, you don't really actually get that calling for the, or that opportunity to express into that space of competition and set goals and meet them. Yeah. Well, if I just sat here and wrote stuff and drew pictures and uh, wasn't putting it out daily, because that's kind of a competition too, right? To produce things and then also get people to look at them rather than just do the things, which would be the, the, the least resistant path would be to not bother with marketing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Marketing is, you know, it's another thing that's not very fun. Uh, yeah. And I'm not doing a lot of that, but you have to, every, you have to do some or your stuff just sits there. Okay. So I don't think I would have any drive to do it just, just for myself. By yourself, you're an island and an island that doesn't get rained on. So there's no plants. It's barren. <laughs> Dead. Do you, do you have any advice for someone that would like to start writing? Well, that's a tough one. Other than you just have to start writing. <laughs> I guess uh, I think that everybody could benefit from mind mapping. So if you have a bunch of ideas, but you haven't really nailed them down in any way, you don't know what you're going to write. Mm-hmm. And say, say you want to write a book. The easiest way to actually write that book is to sit down, write down your idea for your book in the center of a piece of paper, and then write down around it all the ideas that go with that idea. Mm-hmm. And then take each one of those ideas and write them down in the center of a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. and write all the ideas that go down with that idea. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back through everything and you could number them all from one to, and just don't, you know, you don't have to focus hard on any of this stuff. This is stuff that you're just, you're brainstorming, right? And then if you uh, number all of your ideas you've got there from what comes maybe first to what comes last, then you can get a sheet of paper and you can draw an outline. And you don't have to stick to that outline, but at least now you've got something. So then when you sit down to write, you start at number one, whatever that was. It could be introducing the idea. Say say you wrote introduction as number one. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down and you're going to introduce why it is you're writing, if it's it's a nonfiction book. And this works for fiction too, because you would just break it down so that uh, 
you are introducing your characters, maybe. So writing is, it can be broken down into small chunks. If you just sit down and you have a blank screen or a blank piece of paper, you're just gonna freeze. So right now I have a notebook going and it's not organized in what any way whatsoever because that makes it easy. If I don't have to organize it, I don't have to waste any time thinking or whatever. If I get an idea for something to write or a character I want to have someday in a book, which I have some of those in there too, I just pick a fresh line and I write it down. And I just keep the book handy and then I make notes on my phone and I transfer them to the book. Then that way, if I run into a spot where I don't know what to do next, I just open the book and flip through it and look at everything. And right now it's, it's a hundred page book and it's half full. So that's a lot of ideas because there's one per line, right? Just kind of catching your ideas and keeping them like butterflies. That's right. And then some of them I'm never going to use. I'm going to read them in there a hundred times, thousand times. And they're, they're a dud. They were interesting at the time I wrote them, but that's good enough. That's all I'm doing with that book. I found that too, because when we wrote the meditation book, you showed me how to make the mind map. And then even sometimes I didn't, I had enough content with maybe just, you know, two or three sub bubbles Mm -hmm. need to go any deeper. So some of it wasn't used, just like you said, like the ideas in the book, some of them weren't used, but, but they were there if you needed them for content. Cause a lot of people that want to start writing, I think just don't know where to start and don't think they have enough to say. That's the beauty of the whole thing is I feel like it's channeling. I don't feel that writing is something that is just for me. Mm-hmm. So how could you run out of channeling? Just you couldn't. Maybe people are scared of the ideas, like you said, right? Because it's therapy. Scared of what's when you put too much mind into it and too much structure and too much thought. It strips away from that deep just flow. You know what I mean? Well, and if you, if you want to believe that it's all coming from your mind, if you think of it in terms of your conscious mind, so your conscious mind is really good at, it's, uh, it's really good at things like driving and, you know, eating all those things like directing you to do the day-to-day life things. So when you try to use it for writing, it, it tries to take control and, you know, limit things down and, and it tosses away some of your ideas right off the bat. And, uh, really good ideas too, just like underlying, yeah. being rejected by underlying fears of being different or, you know, like that's right. So you have to be able to let your, let your subconscious mind contribute. That's right. And the meditation helped with offering up that control. Yeah, I suppose it does. But the thing is, you can't be afraid to write it down to start with. If you just let yourself, if you give yourself permission to do whatever on your rough draft, then it doesn't matter. You can always cross it out later. Every mm-hmm. computer comes with a delete and a backspace. So if you write something that's totally garbage and the next day you can't even believe you did that, which is usually, then uh, fix it up a bit. Or your editor will. And that's the other thing, I guess, is uh, you can do some self-editing pretty easy if you uh, type up, say, 2,000 words. The easiest way to self-edit that is to print it out and then read it out loud. 
but not that same day that you wrote it. Wait a day mm-hmm. and then talk out, talk it out out loud. And it'll let you know where all of your grammar mistakes are because it won't sound right. Mm-hmm. But I guess that the basic thing you got to do if you want to write is just write. <laughs> just let it out. I did a lot of, I did a lot of journaling and some of it was, you know, really helpful. And then even writing the book with you, so many people have said, Oh, I want to write a book. And I'm like, do it, you know, do it. They probably, a lot of people don't think that they could, but you don't have to start with a whole book. You know, anybody could start a medium account and start writing there. That's right. I mean, I maybe do have a little bit of advantage because I wrote a couple of books before I started there, but, but I did just start writing books too out of the blue. So why not? If you want to write, find a place like that and start writing these days, it doesn't cost you anything to, uh, to turn out something. Or even if you just want to let it out, just get a notebook and rip out the pages and burn it. Yeah. Because I think just the act itself without having to put it out there. If you're too scared, you know, some people are even too scared to pick up the pen. I think the only, the only problem that you might run into is if you're not willing to put it out there, are you really accepting it? Like, why, why do you need to rip it out and burn it? Are you not accepting that part of yourself? Sometimes it's a shock. People don't know. <laughs> They're like, oh my goodness. I've, I've heard of people that will burn every painting they've ever made. Mm-hmm. I don't really get it in a way because yeah, you think you suck. So. Or sometimes that's where you get the ugly bits out. Like is the final, the, the final product, isn't, you know, some art is very dark and comes yeah. from very dark, dark spaces. As far as I'm concerned, some of the best art. And maybe some people are meant to put it out there and some people are meant just to get it out and not. You know, there's there's a painting that I find kind of grotesque and I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically, it looks like a guy holding his hands to his face and screaming on a bridge. <laughs> okay, so if somebody today painted that, and they were a new painter and they'd looked at it and they'd be thinking, this is a piece of crap. I cannot let anybody see that. <laughs> but guess what? Somebody did that, put it out there and everybody loves that painting. Yeah. And it's not all that, like it's grotesque and not, it doesn't look done very well to me even. <laughs> Some people love <laughs> That's the, that's the cause. That's the cost of putting yourself out there is, you know, you're... You have people like me criticizing it. You know, some great artist from the past, and I think it's not done very well. <laughs> okay. But guess what? He doesn't care at all that I thought that. No. And I mean, same Just... with who can't stand my yoga class, there's people. Or, you know, didn't particularly enjoy the book. Yeah. There's You have to have a certain, a certain amount of and I think maybe all those years of writing in the journals got me to the point in which I felt comfortable finally sharing my art mm-hmm. and burning it, you know, like 
I, I did not do a very good job of burning my journals. And uh, I recently went through an experience where someone else, well, my ex-husband's girlfriend, uh, was put in a position she needed to pack up some of my things. And there was a lot of writing. And then there was a part of me that felt shame and guilt over it, what she would read. And I really needed to come to acceptance for the girl that wrote that, so as that I'm not that person anymore, as well as even though I didn't intend to share it, it's okay that it's out there. Well, and a journal would be entirely different than than the stuff that I'm putting out in a lot of ways because it wasn't intended to go out there. You didn't go back and polish it. You just wrote down stuff and and that was for you. Total free flow, right? Yeah. Just therapy. So I don't know what was seen, you know? I don't know what was read. I don't know what it If anything. That's right. Maybe nothing was read. So it is, you know, it is what it is. But And, and you're right. Cause it, I would never regret actually writing it because it helped me work through a lot of really deep spaces, like deep, sad spaces and come to know myself differently through what I was writing. And sometimes something beautiful would come out and I would feel pride or, you know, confidence or like I could self-soothe. So that's what I meant by just writing it and just learning to, Mm -hmm. because I think it's the same with talking. If you're not used to expressing your emotions verbally, it's it's practice. Writing is one of those things that's, it's a really personal thing and it doesn't seem like writing is going away anytime soon. In fact, the more technology we get, the more people are reading lately. Mm-hmm. There's apparently a, uh, a surge in people under the age of 25 reading and they all prefer printed books. So the people, the age groups that are reading the most right now are people under the age of 20 and people over the age of 52. They dropped off my things. And it was legitimately eight boxes of books. Hmm. Big ones. It was intense. It was intense. <laughs> and it was funny because I had two two emotions going on. I had almost like, oh my goodness, Kyla, you read every one of those books. How much time did you spend in those books? And then the other half of me was so grateful for those books. And felt like they were my old friends. So there definitely was a duality to it. So many books, Tim. If you think about the the fact that every time you read a book, you get a chance to download a piece of somebody else's mind. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it was. And like, it's like Einstein, Tesla, biology, physics, physiology, psychology, spirituality. It's like... So many downloads. And I should have wrote that quote down when I saw it earlier today, but the quote said, if we walk up to each other and I give you an apple and you give me an apple and we walk away, we each have an apple. But if I give you an idea and you give me an idea, we each have two ideas. Mm-hmm. I like that. Now I'm going to have to go figure out who said that. I read it today. And then I found the book that started it all. I got a book when I was 14 years old and it was a book about aromatherapy and yoga 
reflexology, meditation. And I studied that book, The Smells. I loved that book. And uh, and I, it all just kind of came full circle because I teach everything in the book. Is there a book that's changed your life like that? Like just one book that stands out to you that you're like, it just came to you at the right time, right space. Uh, what's it called now? The Magic of Tidying Up by Mary Kondo. Yes. That book changed your life? Yeah. Well, so much of the uh, baggage that I've got has to do with hoarding. Mm-hmm. And that book is all about stuff and hoarding. And I guess one of the ideas that I got out of there that really has been, that really resonates with me is that people, things become representations for their emotions. Um, so say for instance, you got a new fridge, but the old fridge still works. So now you might feel guilty because you're replacing your actual working fridge and that's wasteful and you've got all these feelings tied up in there, right? Mm -hmm. So now what are you going to do? Well, you've got to find some way to make yourself feel better. I know maybe I can make somebody else take this fridge off my hands and they can have the feelings and I don't have to have them anymore. So I can feel better and it'll be their problem. Hey, maybe my, uh, my niece, she needs a fridge. I know she does, or maybe she'll need one someday. (laughs) <laughs> Let's drop it off there. You call them up and you say, hey, we got this free fridge. We're bringing it over. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then they get this fridge and they never want it because it's old and worn out. <laughs> and they're trapped with your crappy emotions forever. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's how I felt when they dropped off my stuff. <laughs> I was like, it was like a truck hit me. Well, I guess you have to realize. Sorry. You don't have to realize it. Just because somebody else wants to ditch their emotions on you doesn't mean you have to take them. You might be trapped with the things, but you don't need their emotions. Hit me with all my own shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's a little different because that's stuff that you left behind, right? That's right. It's not like it's... They never wanted it, so. <laughs> and it's not that I didn't offer to go, to go get it. It's just timing didn't work out, and this is how it ended up being. So it wasn't bitter, or just to be just to be clear, it wasn't bitter or anything like that. But it still was. I've been showing up to work just all haggard looking, just because you're sorting through it. I'm physically sorting through my emotions. I understand. Yeah, the book is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And the thing is, in the book, she uh, not humanizes. What is it called when you make an object, when you give it human humanistic properties? I can't remember the name for that. There's a word for it. But anyways, she does that with uh, objects. For instance, if you're folding your socks and you're folding them wrong, you know, you're, what are you doing to your poor socks? Because the thing is, we have all these emotions and we anthropomorphize that's what it's called we put we put our feelings into our possessions like books for instance so my daughter has her book collection which is two large boxes big so far 
And that's the most important thing to move when we have to help her move, right? The books. Yeah, I hear her. I And I can understand that with the books. But I can't understand. Well, I, I guess I can understand why people do what they do. I just don't like it with with things, right? And I have things around me right now that I've got emotions locked up in, so... I'm pretty minimal because maybe I don't like to look at my shit. I just like to leave it behind. Well, it's fine if you, uh, if you like things and you have them, that's fine. I just feel like people should understand why they have the things. So yes, I, I'm going to, I've been planning on rereading that book. I've, I have the audio book and two copies of the physical book here. And I probably listened to it twice and read it three times. You're in a deep. I have no problem getting rid of things. None. I actually probably get rid of more than I need to get rid of. Maybe I take it a little too far. Because then I'm like, oh, I could have used that. <laughs> My youngest son's a hoarder. Probably because you get rid of everything. I don't do his stuff. Hmm. I was raised by a collector. His, his dad is a collector of things. And his grandma was a collector of things. And he came a collector of things. Like, ever since he was little, he always... And I never, ever was, like, ruthless to him at all. Like, I respect that he's a collector, because some people are. And then my oldest son is a little bit like me. He doesn't really want... Like, he has a few special things, but he's not really big into stuff either. So maybe it's a personality type, too. Are any of your kids hoarders? I don't think so. They're all pretty minimal. Yeah. Yeah, when it came time to move Andrew to Vancouver, everything he owned fit in the trunk of my Mustang. Oh no way. He's pretty minimal. <laughs> he was ready to roll. <laughs> cool. So where can everybody find your articles again on medium.com? That's right, it's medium.com. Yeah. And also I'm posting some of them on my website at Tim evil.com. Awesome. And then, of course, you can find our, our book on Amazon, mm-hmm. the 90-Day Meditation Challenge. We'll see what else is in the works. Yeah, what's around the corner. But for now, medium. And there's, there's all kinds of stuff there to read. So, How many articles do you figure you have up now? I think I'm at 50. So I'm averaging. I don't, I don't put one on there every day, but I'm averaging because sometimes I'll have Three ready, three ready to go in one day. And uh, then maybe nothing for five days. That's art though, right? When it's ready, it's ready. It's ready. Done is done. You can't rush it. Well, we've been at it for a while here. So before we create an editing nightmare. <laughs> well, the cat's doing that in the background for me as it is. He's twitching. <laughs> at least you have the common sense not to chase it around. <laughs> Yeah, there's no point in yelling at the cat. It won't do any good. Well, thanks for the chat. Oh, thank you. And thanks for showing me how to write. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do some more writing. Yeah. I'm not so afraid of people reading it. Even my crazy <laughs> years ago, that can just be right out there. There you go.